the meat of the message. Um, but you got to lay the groundwork for what I'm going to tell you today that God's yeah. revealed to me. And uh, I believe it'll be a blessing to you. Second Samuel chapter number 5, interested in verse 17 and on. Let's con- stand, if you would, for the reverence of the reading of God's Word. Pray for the message if you're able. God knows if you're not able, you just remain seated. It'll be all right. Second Samuel chapter 5 and verse number 17. But when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines came up to seek David, and David heard of it and went down to the host. The Philistines also came and spread themselves in the valley of Rephraim. And David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to the Philistines? Will thou deliver them into mine hand? And the Lord said unto David, Go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines unto thy hand. And David came to Baal-perazim. And David smote them there and said, The Lord hath broken forth upon mine enemies before me as the breach of waters. Therefore he called the name of the place Baal-perazim. And there they left their images, and David and his men burned them. And the Philistines came up yet again and spread themselves into the valley of Rephaim. And when David inquired of the Lord, he said, Thou shalt go up, thou shalt not go up, but fetch a compass behind them and come up them over against the mulberry trees." And let it be, when thou hearest the sound of the going in the tops of the mulberry trees, that then thou shalt bestir thyself. For then shall the Lord go out before thee to smite the host of the Philistines. And David did so as the Lord had commanded him, and smote the Philistines from Geba unto thou come to Gezer. Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for this day, your many blessings. God, I pray that you'd give me wisdom, clarity of mind, loose this tongue, let it go, undergird me with your spirit and power to where I may preach your word. And Lord, I'll surely love you and thank you for it. And God, if there be one in our presence that doesn't know you from the free pardon of sin, never accepted that blood covenant, the covering of Jesus Christ, the precious blood into their life. Lord, may today be the day that they see the light and receive the blood. Lord, be saved before it's everlasting too late. And we'll thank you, Lord, for what you do for us. In Jesus' name we ask and pray. Amen. amen. And amen. You may be seated. Seemed like throughout the reading of the Scripture, and as you look through the history of the Word of God, the Philistines were a constant threat to the Israelites. Everywhere you turn, the Philistines is trying, even to this day, to come against the Israelites. And like I say, my introduction is going to be a little more lengthy than the heart of the message, so just bear with me. But as we look at the Word of God, we see the practice of the enemy. The Scripture there tells us that when the Philistines heard, they had anointed David king over Israel. Now remember this, David is already king over one part of Israel. But all of a sudden, David is king over all of Israel. And all the Philistines came up to seek David. They come to attack him. They come to kill him. 
It's the ever practice of evil and the devil to attack whenever the work of God is progressing forward. And it was progressing forward because David is now king over the entire nation. They've got a godly king. The Philistines don't like it and the devil don't like it. With David being king over all of Israel, this was the work of God moving forward. Thus the enemy begins to attack. I can say tonight my own personal testimony, anytime you go forward for the cause of Christ, anytime that you go forward and step out on faith and God's leading you uh, into a greater territory, I'm here to tell you the devil will attack you. He will. I like to say it this way. When you go to another level, there's another devil. Uh, Once you kick it up a notch, uh, uh, the devil wants to kick it up with you. He wants to pull you down to where you was at to begin with. You see the practice of the enemy. But I see the passion of the enemy. All the Philistines came up to seek David, the Word of God says. It says all the Philistines. That meant they meant business. All of them. It wasn't just a small troop of the Philistines that came against to get David. uh, But he sent the whole army after David. Evil is earnest today. And he'll bring all the forces of hell against you that he could bring uh, to pull you down uh, and rip you down uh, and tear you apart. Keep that in mind. The passion of the enemy. I see the placement of the enemy in verse 18. The Philistines spread themselves in the valley of Rephim. The Philistines spread themselves throughout the valley to fill the valley with their soldiers. Folks, evil wants to fill your life so it can control you. When evil gets into your life, it will control you and control your life. You see the placement of the enemy. But I also, thank God, see the prayer about the enemy. Look at verse number 19. David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to the Philistines? Will thou deliver them unto mine hand? The Lord said, Go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into thine hand. You see, David sought divine counsel about the Philistines. Not many rulers of any age this day and we live seek divine counsel in the time of crisis. In fact, not many people seek divine counsel at any time in their life. But David is going to God and he's seeking divine counsel of what to do when the enemy is attacking. First of all, he prayed for direction. He said, shall I go up to the Philistines? He's asking God, what shall I do? Hey, the Bible tells us in Proverbs 3, 6, In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. In other words, if you'll just uh, ask him, he'll show you which way to go. There'll be times in your life when you you don't know where to turn, whether to your right, left, go forward or go back. Inquire of the Lord. Ask Him and He'll give you the direction that you need. Secondly, He prayed about the deliverance. We see Him uh, praying about direction, but He's praying about deliverance. He says, Will thou deliver them into mine hand? Now, David didn't need to know the answer to this question. All he needed to know was the answer of the first question. But God answered both questions. The first question, he answered with a precept and said, go up. The second question, he answered with a promise and said, I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into thine hand. 
David was walking close with God. But then look at the performance against the enemy. And verse number 20. David came to Baal Perazim and David smote them there. The precept said, go up. And the promise said, I will deliver. But to get to the promise, David had to fulfill the precept, which he did with excellence. He had to go. Now listen, when God says go, when God says move, you've got to be obedient under God and go to where you can be delivered. Uh, we, we fight battles in our lives on a daily basis. Uh, we fight the enemy and the devil will come at us stronger. But when God says to put Satan behind you, you've got to put Satan behind you where God will do the delivering. Yeah. The same thing that's taking place here in the book of Second Samuel when God is leading the man of God here as he's walking ever so close. Look at the performance against that enemy, but look at the praise for the victory over the enemy. The Bible says in verse 20, The Lord hath broken forth upon mine enemies before me. David was quick to give God praise for his success. David was as earnest in his praise as he was in his petition that he brought before God. Something that few people do today. Let me tell you something. I had a blessing so big the other day. I got on the interstate trying to go home. Got going the wrong direction. Listen, I never go home down 26 in that direction. I always go the back roads and go back to the house. But God done bless me so good. I didn't know which way I was going. I got on the wrong path. The wrong road and everything else uh, and all I was doing uh, it was praising God riding down the highway thanking Him for what He had done uh, uh, tears were filled in my eyes I couldn't halfway see it's wonderful if I'm standing here today alive but God done it and I gave Him praise uh, and I gave Him the all you had to understand folks when we pray for something and God delivers it uh, you ought to give him the praise the glory and the honor but some people are so cold on God uh, are so away from God uh, and not godly enough uh, that they can't offer a praise toward heaven for no reason at all because they ain't got enough God in them Oh, we talked about that in Sunday school. Godliness brings about true worship. People cannot worship if they don't truly uh, live a godly life before God. And my friends, you know who you are this morning. If you don't live godly, you can't hold your hands up toward heaven. You can't praise Him. You can't worship Him. It's not that you're embarrassed to do so. It's because you don't feel comfortable doing it. You can't praise something that you don't love. You can't praise the one if you don't love him and respect him and fear him but boy if he's godly if you're godly and if he you love him and he does love you my friend you'll be able to raise holy hands toward heaven and say God I'm going to trust you you're going to help me and I know your word says you will and you're going to make it through praise for the victory over the enemy that's what David done but then look at this many of us may need to do this the purging of the idols of the enemy. Look at verse 21. They left their images. The Philistines were big on idols. The Bible says they left their images. And David and his men burned them. You see, the Philistines learned their idols were no use in battle. So they left them behind. 
And Scripture commanded Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 5, burn their graven images with fire. Idols were a snare. They need to be destroyed. David did not let success keep him from obeying the word of God about the idols. He burnt the idols. Enough said. But not only that, if you look into verse 22, David had to fight the Philistines again. Now remember, we're just in the introduction. I promised to get you home before Walmart closes. David had to fight the Philistines again. Look at the persistency of the enemy. In verse number 22, the Philistines came up yet again and spread themselves in the valley of Repham. Yet again emphasizes the persistency of evil. You see, evil does not give up quickly. Evil does not slow down real easily. Defeat temptation one time and it soon comes back to solicit you as it did before. The enemy continues to fight you, continues to tear at you, continues to come at you, and continues to come at you on every angle. That's why it's important to be close to God. The enemy's persistent. But what does David do? He prays again. Look again about the praying about the enemy in verse 23. David inquired of the Lord. So David prayed again. Evil must be met as it is continuing to be persistent. But then look at the plan this time of attacking the enemy. Look at verse 23. Thou shalt not go up. In other words, you're not going to go this time the way you did last time, David. Thou shall not go up, but fetch a compass. In other words, go around behind them and come upon them over against the mulberry trees. This time the plan's totally different. Israel was to attack the Philistines, but they were going to attack attack them from the rear where they were not expecting it. The lesson here is that circumstances must not stand alone in determining the will of God. We also must seek the word of God. But look at the patience for attacking the enemy. Verse 24. When thou hearest the sound in the tops of the mulberry trees, then thou shalt bestir thyself. But then shall the Lord go out before thee to smite the host of the Philistines. You see, David had to wait for God's sign before he attacked. Simple. How many of you know waiting's not easy? How many of you know you have no patience at all? Me included. Waiting requires patience. Waiting is faith in God's timing. But waiting on God's timing will result result in God's victory. Now I just had this thought. David's done attack from the front and he's won the battle. And the, the, the Philistines are coming again. He says, Lord, what do I need to do? He said, we're not going from the front this time, big boy. You're going from the backside. We're going to catch them by surprise. But you got to do it by my way and my timing. And of course, David said, go ahead, Lord. What do you need me to do? He said, encompass them. Encompass them. Go behind them and get behind them. But get your army under the mulberry trees. Hmm. This is already blessing me and I ain't got to the good parts yet. Listen, get under the mulberry trees. 
And when the wind, I like it when the wind blows. I like it when the wind blows in church service. Amen. The wind begins to blow and the Holy Ghost begins to move. Amen. He said, when the wind began to blow those mulberry trees, then you let me, God's saying, you let me go in front of you. You follow me and we will win this battle as well. How many have ever seen a mulberry tree? Do you know the color of the fruit of a mulberry tree? Isn't it a deep purple? Deep purple looking fruit on the mulberry tree. The way they harvest a mulberry tree, the fruit of a mulberry tree is like this. They will get sheets and put them at the base of the tree and spread them out and pull them tight. And then they do that because the mulberry tree, when they get ripe, they'll shake that tree and the berries will fall. If the sheet is underneath providing that bounce, providing that uh, uh, a little bit of uh, protection for those berries, the berries won't burst. And they're more valuable if they stay intact. So that's how they harvest those mulberries. I was talking to an individual that I knew that has a mulberry tree. He lives in another state. And I began to ask him a few questions. He said, oh, my kids go out there and they play on that mulberry tree all the time. And when everything gets right, they'll get to shaking that tree. Then mulberries will fall. And if it falls on them, it leaves a stain. He said, matter of fact, they'll get up under that mulberry tree and walk around and step on those mulberries. And their feet are stained for three or four days. I said, okay, now you said the fruit is like a deep purple. I said, can I ask what color it is when it bursts? The juice inside those mulberries. He said, it's a bright crimson red. I said, hmm, can you imagine? Listen to this. Can you imagine David and the Israelite army getting up under the mulberry tree. God told them to get under the mulberry tree. Can you imagine God telling them to wait till the wind blows? Guess what happens when the wind blows? Them berries begin to fall. And all of a sudden, the whole Israelite army becomes stained in red. Like the crimson flow of the blood. And then God goes out in front of them. And then those Israelites come out from those mulberry trees. Looking all covered in something or another that the enemy doesn't know nothing about. Hey listen, I'm covered in something this morning that the enemy knows something about. And that's the precious blood of Jesus Christ. My friend, listen, don't you get in front of the blood. You stay behind the blood. Amen. Uh, People get in trouble in these days in which we live because they'll get in front of the blood. Don't get in front of the blood. There's no protection there. Oh, but move behind the bloodline because the enemy cannot attack you. He cannot go over that line. He cannot come over and do anything with you. Thanks be unto God. I'm behind that bloodline today and I'm washed and I'm covered. I'm protected. And so was David's army. 
I can't. I couldn't believe it. Couldn't you imagine them boys that was under the tree? The wind blowed. The berries fell. Those berries are so tender they would burst. And David and those armies had to have been stained the blood red heading toward the enemy. When you and I are fighting the enemy, we have to wait on God's signal. We have to wait for the wind to blow. <laughs> you want to attack the devil this morning, the only way you're going to do it is when God leads you and the wind begins to blow. And when the wind begins to blow, uh, that berry began to fall and burst upon the soldiers. Listen, I don't have to be uh, covered by a berry today. I don't have to be covered by the crimson red juice of a mulberry. But thanks be unto God. God, I'm covered uh, by the precious blood of Jesus today. Uh, when He comes for me, uh, He's not looking for what I'm wearing, uh, what I look like, uh, how tall I am, uh, how short I am, uh, the clothes that I'm wearing. Uh, he's not looking for that. Uh, he's looking for all those that are covered in red. I don't know about you today, but I'm glad I'm saved. I'm glad I've been covered by the precious blood of the Lamb. And thanks be unto God, we can have victory and prevail over the enemy when you're covered and washed in His blood. The patience for attacking the enemy. But then you look at the prevailing over the enemy. Look at verse 25. David did so as the Lord had commanded him and smote the Philistines from Geba until, until they come to Gezer. You see, this was a great victory. The first reason for the prevailing was David did so as the Lord had commanded him. Obedience was the key to the success of David. Second, the region of the prevailing. He smote the Philistines from Geba unto Gezer. If you'll look at that on a map, he drove the Philistines all the way back into Philistia. He didn't leave none of them behind. He took them all and moved them back. You see three main things here in this particular scripture. You see the conflict with the, with the Philistines. You see the covering of God's presence. And you see the conquering that God had promised. Yeah. How many of you know the scripture today that says all of us are conquerors through Him that loved us? Yeah. I got to looking up conquerors, Joe. I wanted to know what they've conquered. What they have done. Now they rated the conquerors by the number of square miles that they had conquered and obtained. Napoleon was a conqueror. He conquered over 720,000 square miles. Hitler was a conqueror. He conquered 1,370,000 square miles. Alexander the Great was a conqueror. He conquered 2,180,000 square miles. But the number one conqueror who conquered more than all was Genghis Khan. 4,860,000 square miles. Some can look at these men and you can say that these men, you know, you think of Hitler and then, then you know, evil man. Evil people. Uh, you know, some were worse than others. And we can get into a history lesson of that if we wanted to. But listen. The point is this. These men had great feats speaking of conquering. I'm not saying they're great men. I'm saying they've done great feats in their conquering. Can you imagine millions uh, millions and hundreds of thousands of square miles that is what was conquered? 
What's the point of this, preacher? The point is this. We are more than conquerors. Yeah. Amen. When you're in Christ Jesus this morning and you're covered by the blood, the Bible says we are more than conquerors through the Lord Jesus Christ. There's nothing that can come your way and destroy you. My friend, you're more than a conqueror. Yeah, we may get knocked down. We may be down and out and drugged through the valley. But thank God the Word says we're more than a conqueror. And if them conquerors can conquer millions of square miles, then how do you think that our God's not going to help you conquer the little valley you're in today? We're more than conquerors. I'm covered by the blood. Why are you a conqueror, preacher? Because the Word of God said so. How'd you become a conqueror? Because I got under the tree. Yeah. <laughs> Not the mulberry tree. I got under the cross. Yeah. And when I knelt, the mulberries didn't fall. The blood fell. <laughs> Woo! That's enough to make an Episcopalian kick out the rear end of his robe. Some of y'all getting this and some of y'all looking at me like I'm dumb, but I know what I'm talking about. Huh? It's in the book. You can't argue with the book. You're just amazed at my intellect this morning. I'm studied up, praise God. Listen, if you're not under the blood, you need to be. If you're under the blood, you promised heaven. If you're under the blood, He promises to walk with you through every valley. If you're under the blood, He's got blessings beyond measure. If you're under the blood, you've got a heavenly Father that you can pray to and ask for healing. If you've got, if you're under the blood, uh, you can go to Him and ask for those things which be in His will. And my friend, it is His will for you to be well. Amen. I think it is. Jesus loves you today. Yeah. He shed every drop of blood on that tree for you and I, the cross of Calvary. And if you don't know Him as your personal Savior, my, my, you're living below the greatest privilege known to man. I want you to stand. As these girls come and get that song they sung last week, blessed everybody's heart so much. Nay, in all things, we're more than conquerors through Him that loved us. These men weren't so great. Many may think that Hitler was the greatest conqueror. Many may say by the looks of the numbers that Genghis Khan was the greatest conqueror. No. You and I are great conquerors today, more than conquerors because of the conqueror that conquered death, hell, and the grave, Jesus Christ Himself. We're conquerors. We're conquerors. Let me leave you with this thought. And and thank you, Lord. When you watched old-time TV shows, might have been a shoot-em-up, might have been some kind of police movie or TV show, might have even heard it in the academy. These boys, they go in. They're loaded for bear. They got every weapon available to them. And they're hiding behind the car. And they're looking around the corner. 
And he looks to his partner and says, Cover me. I'm going in. And he begins to go in. And that one's got his back and he's covering him as he goes in. Life is a battle. Life is a journey that's not to be taken lightly. What do we need to do today? We need to look to the Lord and say, Lord, cover me. I'm going in. And go in and fight the battle. Listen, God didn't make you and I to be defeated. He wants us to be winners. He wants us to be victorious. He didn't create us to be and live defeated lives. But I'm here to tell you, if you'll just cover me, I'm going in. I'll fight the battle, whatever the devil sends our way. But Lord, I can't do it without you covering for me. He'll cover you. Some of you are covered. Some of you are not. And when the devil gets to raging strong, you want to give up because you have no cover. Why don't you just make it up in your mind today that you're going to just have the the Lord to cover you and you're going to go in and fight the battle. Whatever it may be. Whatever your need may be. This altar is open. I know a lot of people have prayed around this altar already this morning. But I can tell you, there may be still some more needs in this congregation today. What a greater time than to come and ask God to cover you. That you're fighting a big battle and you need protection. Father, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. Thank you for.